Welcome back to another episode of Sports Avenue. I'm your host, Jimmy Simonis, and this is episode 44. Again, I like to say thank you to everybody who's listened thus far. I appreciate all the support, and like I said, it's going to keep getting better, better. It's going to keep getting better more and more as we continue to move forward, and I'm excited to bring everyone on the journey. But today, I have a special guest. He's a doctor. He was a D1 athlete. He's done a lot in his life, and I'm excited to talk to Dr. Charles Thomas. Charles, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing well, Jimmy, man. I appreciate you having me on Sports Avenue. How you doing? I'm doing great. So thank you for joining the show. Yeah, no doubt, man. I'm excited. All right, so let's just start it off. So talk <clears throat> about growing up and your journey throughout sports. Man, sports has been, I mean, for all the athletes out there, you know, listening, man, sports has been fundamental and foundational to my journey man that's how to deal with different personalities how to how to see see things differently move move differently but understand where your talents are understand where your strengths are your deficiencies and then put yourself in a position to make your your teammates better so I played elementary school it was soccer basketball track high school soccer until I broke my knee then it was basketball and track my last year then played played basketball in undergrad division one. I, I played, played there, walked on and ultimately ended up getting a scholarship. So sports has been a, a remarkable piece of my journey. Then I tried to play, you know, professionally after that didn't really work out. So I came back into the work world and, you know, then switch gears into sports, man. It did a box for a while, you know, just to keep that competitive edge going. And now I do Spartan races, all that type of stuff. So sports now is, is fun to me. So I've been doing sports, man, literally probably for as long as I can remember, four or five years old. And it's it's been a game changer in the way I act, the way I think, the way I interact with other people. So, I mean, there's from focus standpoint, I can't you know, I can't speak more highly about how how sports has played a mega role in my life journey. When you were growing up, what was what was your I guess your youth like playing a, a lot of sports and being involved with numerous activities? What was that like for you growing up? playing that many sports you mean yes it was it was cool man like i said you the the good part about the sports journey is you're able to play so many different you're able to meet so many different people right so you meet you meet the super aggressive personalities you meet the more docile personalities you meet people that are always in between and you kind of figure out where you fit i i consider it like almost a a jungle right where you have a bunch of alpha personalities you have some personalities that are less than alpha then you have to figure out how you fit in who's going to challenge you to see where your heart is who are you going to challenge to see where their heart is you know and and all of that stuff translated jimmy to me to to school it translated to relationships it was like i always feel like if i was born hundreds of years ago i'd have been a gladiator so it's always so sports gave us that that outlet to to be okay and really learn, learn how you fit in, man. And I was a late bloomer in sports too, right? I was super little when I was growing up. So it was, it took some time to get to, you know, the level, but it was just, you know, consistency, discipline, focus, determination, everything that, that one needs to, to, to make it to whatever sport they're playing in at the division one, two, three level. Yeah. And talk about you playing your sport at the division one level, because not many people get that opportunity, even just the, the chance to walk on to a division one uh, atmosphere. Yeah, man, it was, you know, that journey is, is, is pretty cool in the sense of how it all, <clears throat> how it all played out. Like I didn't really know where I was going to go to go to college, but I thought that I had the, the right skill set to get there. You know, at least at the very least, I knew I had the, 
the heart and determination to to make it where I wanted to be. And, you know, so going through high school, I was like, well, am I good enough to play sports? It's going to be division one, division two was recruited by a bunch of by a bunch of mid majors. And, you know, ultimately, I went to my high school counselor, Mr. John Reynolds, <clears throat> asked me if I had ever considered considered Notre Dame. And I was like, no, man, I, I didn't know where Notre Dame was. I had no idea that it was in South Bend. I was an idiot. I thought it was in California. He was like, he was like, yeah, I was like, Notre Dame, I don't want to go to California. He was like, it's not in California. And he was like, it's in South Bend. So I was like, South Bend, what? He was like, Indiana. I'm like, oh, that's like right around the corner. So he he planted a seed for me to say, here's a top level school you can go to. I went to a couple, couple recruiting camps in high school and played well, made the all-star team and all that. And then my AU coach, coaches, Ray Jones, Marty Embry, really locked and loaded for me, man, and sent tape after tape after tape to to the coaches at Notre Dame to say that I was much bigger than I was, but that I had the, you know, the heart of a lion, right, to go in and and play the game well and offer value and all that type of stuff. So it was it was a very interesting journey as it relates to how I got there. And then, you know, once you get to school, you try to figure out, can you play with the team? And, and for me, that wasn't an option. There was not not officially right. You anybody who wanted to walk on, you couldn't play with the team because of NCAA rules. So I would just go and play pickup with the guys every day and I would work out every single day or get up in the morning, go work out, go to class, work out in the evenings. And then I would go to the gym with the fellas. But, you know, the first couple of weeks, man, I sat there like I didn't play, you know, but I kept going, kept going because I, I learned from an early age. Like if you want to get in the game, you got to be near the game. Right. You can't just hope that somebody's going to come and knock on your door and be like, hey, Jimmy, you want to play? It's like, nah, bro. Like, if you want to, if you want to do something in life, you have to position yourself where at least people recognize that you exist. So there was, so there was that component, man. I kept going back, kept going back. Then, you know, practice, play with the team every day, every day, and get ready to go home for for spring break. And so, coach says, hey, you know, go home. When you come back, we'll have the tryouts. You know, because you've been playing with the team, you have a pretty, you know, working out with the team, you have a pretty solid chance. I'm like, cool, go home for spring for a winter break. Then get a phone call, man, from one of the coaches, Coach Billy Taylor. And, you know, he says to me, like, yo, you don't come back to school. And I thought it was a joke because I had another buddy whose nickname was BT also. And I thought it was a joke, right, where he was saying, you know, come back to school like this is BT. And I'm like, BT who? So I give my mom the phone because I'm like, look, I don't have time for these to be playing around. Sure enough. It was Coach Taylor on the phone telling me that, you know, the coaches love you, the guys love you, you know, come back to campus. You don't have to go through a quote-unquote tryout with, with everyone else. And that's how the journey started, man. Three coaches in four years, a bunch of headache, a bunch of love, a bunch of heartache, a bunch of fun. But, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it in for anything in the world, man. It, it, was, a, it was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful experience. So through all the tumultuous obstacles you had to deal with, what do you think was the most important thing that you took away that helped you grow into the person you are today? Man, I think my only distinguishing quality, well, one of the distinguishing qualities from a from a sports perspective or even from a life perspective is I don't quit. Right? There's the oftentimes I think people get close to the finish line, bro, and then, and then they then for a myriad of reasons they end up stopping. Right? Because it, it got hard or life stuff gets in the way. I think external to me having like such, such heart and such ambition, I'm always more interested on the life journey to find out what happens if I don't quit. 
right? Because quitting is usually the easy is usually the easier answer. You don't have to put in the necessary effort. You don't have to deal with the with the heartache of you think that you should play, but you're not playing, right? You think that you should this book should sell a, a thousand copies, but it doesn't. You think that you should have got an A on the test, but you didn't. Oftentimes it becomes easier to just go by the status quo, but we weren't raised like that, man. Is like I said, if I were if I were raised in a different time period, I felt I would have been a gladiator. And I think and I mean that in the truest sense of the word, you don't quit until you no longer have breath in your body. And that's that's some of the one of the main distinguishing qualities that I think I have is continuing to carry on despite my body, you know, physical, mental, emotional state telling me to stop, you know, still carrying on. Because in reality, the truth is, and like I said, I learned this, this reaffirmed itself with the Spartan races that I do. As long as you don't quit, your body will most certainly adapt. Your mind will tell you that you should quit well before your body will quit on you. You just have to keep going, man. And I think that was one of the things that the coaches saw in me, just having the that spirit to just to fight, fight, fight and do the best you can. And and being a team player, right, being able to offer value to your teammates and and get good enough where your teammates can get better. That's one of the those are some of the things that I think were were very helpful to me on my journey, because in reality, man, I wrote about this in, in Best Kept Secrets. Everybody was bigger, stronger, faster, more experienced, everything than I was. But like it's my only saving grace is where I had uh, I had heart and 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 I wouldn't quit. And I think those those characteristics are foundational for me and they've been consistent for as long as I can remember. I'm not that big now, right? I'm only six feet and a half, you know, 198 pounds, 200 pounds. So I'm not that big of a dude now. Right. But so, there's the go ahead. Oh, so I was just going to say, did you develop your mindset at a young age by somebody or was this just something that you just kind of like grew into? No, Jim, it's mom, it's, it's mom and dad. Like my, my mom worked, you know, my dad worked two jobs and they were constantly on the hustle, man. And it was I couldn't go outside and play sports and all that type of stuff until until I finished my homework. My, you know, my mom used to have us read the encyclopedias and, you know, we just ask us random questions to keep us honest. Right. She would pick an encyclopedia at the time. I mean, I know people don't really have those anymore, but she would pick a random, you know, letter and pick something in the book and be like, hey, talk to me about this. You know, and I think there's they were very high on education. They were very high on put in the best effort that you can. Like if you're going to do something, go after it, right? There's, there's no such thing as coasting through life and they're through their actions, right? We learned very early, me and my sisters learned very early that there is, there's no substitute for putting in significant effort. There's no such thing as trying to be average. So that, that mindset was taught, not necessarily in the sense of speaking, but in the, in the, the idea of watching my parents lead by example. So, I mean, it was not not just my mom and dad, right? My uncles, my aunts, they all did the same exact thing. So when you see that type of engagement around you and you see the type of people that they moved with, I mean, everybody's doing the same stuff, right? So you don't, you're not going to necessarily deviate from that because that's all you know. Right. And what yeah. what were you looking to be when you were growing up? Did you want to be a professional athlete? <clears throat> like, what were yeah, your man, goals as, like, as a young uh, young man? Yeah, yeah, just like everybody else, man. It was I wanted to be a professional basketball player. Like there was there was nothing else because that's all you see, right? You see athletes and entertainers on TV. So it was for me. I like it never really dawned on me, man, that that I wouldn't be a professional basketball player until probably my junior year in college when I really started to switch and be like, oh man, like shit, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to figure out something else to do. Right. But there's, 
But what you learn, man, it's it's thousands of kids that play, you know, hundreds of thousands of kids that play elementary, middle school sports, then less play high school, then even fewer play in college, and even if small, you know, a smaller number, smaller number still goes to to whatever professional sport that may be, right? The numbers get smaller and smaller and smaller as you as you climb the ladder, as we all know. But you know, you think that you'd be able to be one of the people who break into that world just be just on pure heart, pure will, pure focus and desire to be great. So as a kid, man, it was it was the, you know, be a, you know, own a business of some sort and play pro basketball. But, you know, that's the own a business part. I think probably just sounded cool to say when I was young. But the in reality, it was play basketball, man. There was nothing else that captured my imagination and and allowed me to put forth that level of effort like basketball did you know until recent and recent is over the last five to seven years where you find some other things that it doesn't necessarily match the audience because you're not in front of you know a thousand or in the case when we were playing in college tens of thousands of people you're not in front of an audience that big necessarily but the but the love of the craft, I learned all of that growing up, man. Pure craftsmanship, being artisan in what you do. That was and and like I said, my parents taught us that. Like if you're gonna paint street lines, be the best street line painter in the history of street line painters, or don't do it. At least you need to give it a shot. And I think that's the challenge that a lot of people have now. Like, you know, like Kevin Hart says, everybody wants to be famous, but no one wants to put in the work. And I think in order to get to where you want to be, man, significant effort is required, patience, discipline, focus, all of those things. And that is 100 percent learned in the laboratory. And by laboratory, I mean whatever chosen sport is. Right. And you said that, you know, you didn't know what to do if you were a professional basketball player. And then you said until uh, your college and your junior year in college that you got to see that reality. And for me, it was kind of the same thing, but not in college. I was in high school. Um, My goal was to be a professional NFL player then. Sophomore year of high school, uh, some th- you know things happened where I w- didn't enjoy my environment. I wasn't loving the sport of football. Then I just kind of just said, you know what, it wasn't for me. I think it was just time for me to move on. Then I made that choice right. to move on. So, right, that, right. so like, how did you adapt to your new environment? So initially, I it was tough, man. I was trying to go play overseas and all that type of stuff and you go to some of these tryout camps and everything like that man and you and I got hurt a couple times real bad like twist my ankles up hurt my back and all that type of stuff and you realize like my lift was gone I couldn't jump as high and I mean you know being six feet six feet and a half right I was cat quick and you know once I learned once I lost that man it was it's tricky because you're now you're playing against dudes that are six four six five and if and if my first step wasn't fast enough to a get me past them b have me be near the rim quick enough before the big man turned around my value proposition was gone and so you know i tried that for a while but that was the it was dual dual components right the first component is there was a mental shift then the second component was the physical shift the mental shift started to occur like i said around my about my junior year when when i started looking at federal agencies to figure out if you know if you want to work within you know be a government employee and kind of get in that game and try to figure out how the world works and or or do you want to go to graduate school so I started to think of of what's next external to sports mentally first but but there was also the the driving force was still play ball play ball play ball play ball because I still felt in my heart that I could do it then once you get hurt a couple times man and it was those are some sad days for me, man, when you actually come to the realization of like, 
yeah, this is over. You you may be able to go and play pickup ball and all that type of stuff, but and that's a that's a tough thing to have to deal with, man. To to know that the thing that you've done for, you know, for all intents and purposes, twenty years, is now effectively done, right? Because even after college, when we lost to Duke my senior year, I knew that my college career was over, and but I still felt in my heart, I was like, well, maybe you can give it a shot, and try to play overseas. Maybe it's a long shot. Maybe it's not. But there's still a chance. But once you know it's done, done, that's a hard pill to swallow. And then you have to go and figure out, refigure out where your aptitudes and abilities align, where your passions are, and then go after after those things. And it, it takes a lot of effort, man, talking to people who knew you when you were young, figuring out what you like to do, where like you doing your your, your radio show, right, your podcast. You can probably do this for hours and hours and hours at a time and the time and the time flies by, whereas you're doing something else and it takes it, it, it feels like the time is crawling. So I had to go through that same level of self-reflection and, and self-analysis to figure out what was next. Right. Like, how did I want to offer value into in the world external to sports? And like I said, it's not like I was a superstar in college. I barely played. Right. But there was the. When you do something for so long, you don't really know anything else. And then when that when it's time for that to, to end, you have to shift gears because the persevere part is no longer an option. So you have to pivot and do something else of value. Yeah. So talk about how you ended up becoming a doctor and how your path has transitioned from being, you know, college athlete to academic professional. I lead a tech company. Right. So my my journey has switched to go to graduate school. So there is the. You know, went to graduate school, received the degrees and the knowledge to because for a while after that, I was like, well, maybe I want to go and be a professor. And this is what I tell, you know, people all the time. You don't have to decide what you want to be at 12, 13, 14, 25 years old. You have no idea. It's it's so much stuff that we don't that we don't know at that particular moment in time or as we're growing because we don't know what was out there. We haven't been exposed to enough. Our skills haven't developed that much from a from a knowledge acquisition perspective. We're not there. So I went through school and trying to figure out what was next because I thought I wanted to be a full time professor. So go to school, get the requisite degrees to position yourself to to go and be a full time professor at a, you know, a top university. You go through all of that type of stuff. And meanwhile, you know, I'm working and trying to figure stuff out, man. And then I start to realize you know, one of the things when you when you ask people, what did you like to do when you were young? And they all come back and start saying similar things about leading and, you know, helping others and running a business and all of that type of stuff. Ultimately, I switched back. So, you know, God has blessed me now, man. I'm the CEO of a tech company. I've written several books, you know, two of them being bestsellers, one being a number one bestseller. And, you know, we've had, you know, been a part of a uh Fun podcast, great podcast, radio show turned into podcast. That was 150 episodes, tens of thousands of downloads, right? Offering value to to all of our listeners. So it's been a, I've been able to find over the last seven, eight years-ish, 10 years probably now. No, I'll take that back. Probably seven, eight. You know, where my aptitudes and abilities are, like what I can do constantly over and over and over again that gives that same level of energy as basketball did, right? With sports though, right? You you get immediate feedback, right? When you watch these men and women play sports, they are, there's immediate feedback by the people in the crowd, by the ultimate score and and all of that. There is a component 
that is missing when you go to the work world. You don't get that immediate feedback. And oftentimes success is is subjective, right? So the environment is very tricky. You have to navigate it differently. But sports very much prepared prepared me for all of that type of stuff to, you know, be, you know, get an academic doctorate to leading a, a multi-million dollar tech company to writing a number one best-selling book on Amazon. So the journey has been has been pretty cool to be chairman of the board of nonprofit organizations and, and things like that. It's been pretty cool to to really understand how sports plays such a foundational role in all of that. And you said that you're saying that sports provided that foundation. What were some of those abilities and passions that you didn't know you thought you had until you, you quit sport or you, you know, you were done with sports? You know, the, the art of storytelling, I think is one, right. But, and you hear people say that, you know, you know, Jimmy, you're great at this, you're great at that. But until you try it, you never know. So once, once sports was done and as I, I was trying to figure out my way in the, in the life, journey i started to try a lot of things and i think one of the things i don't think anything one of the things that i know is you find out who you are by doing so i started doing a lot of volunteering man and trying to figure out where are my aptitudes where are my abilities what do i like what am i actually good at because i'm a passionate dude in in general i have a lot of energy so when people say follow your passion that means nothing to me right you and i could discuss the color of the walls in the bedroom and be like it's white no it's off white it's a little shade of white it's gray we could go through that for two hours and the topic the subject matter doesn't have any impact on life at all so i had to go through some real live volunteering at organizations go teach in the jails go go shadow somebody who works at a bank go sit in the class and watch a professor give a lecture go follow a ceo around for a day to see what he does get in a car with a pharmaceutical salesperson Right. So I went through all of these things, man, to try to figure out where I was. And some of the skills that popped up post sports were the were the ability to tell stories, were the ability to write, were the ability to communicate in multiple environments to multiple people. Right. And what was cool about that is in the work world, when you're dealing with clients or working with clients or varied coworkers, it's the same thing as teammates. It's all situational. I can talk to Jimmy one way. I have to talk to Tony another way. I can talk to Sarah one way. I have to talk to Stephanie another way. You literally learn all of that. And more specifically, you learn that being a walk-on at a school because you're a volunteer. You can be told that your services are no longer required in a heartbeat. So you have to figure out where you fit in, how you move, how you can offer value to everyone, everyone being your teammates, your peers, the coaches, all of that stuff translates to the real world, man. And it's like you you learn to be truly, truly who you are. And that's how you learn to connect with other people. So one of the big takeaways, you know, from from the sports is my ability to interact with the variety of people, the experiences that I've that I've had, my 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 willingness to do whatever necessary to get the job done right if that means i have to play a bricklayer role and be very tactical or i go strategic and be an architect right there's the the thought process is was very fundamental to me from a sports perspective and i mean i look at the and you you fall in love with the process for me it was going to the gym run shoot a thousand shots a day right even i wasn't playing bro and i was doing the same thing every day night in night out and the same motivation and the same focus occurs occurs now i mean i read a book a week right and it's because of the process 
because at some point I'm going to have a conversation with Jimmy and I need to be ready for whatever he has. He's like, you didn't send up. There were no questions before our conversation. You're just asking stuff and we're having a conversation. So you want to prepare yourself. Always be prepared so that you don't have to get prepared when an opportunity presents itself because you often don't know when it's going to come back around. And, and I mean, all of this stuff, man, as we talk about sports and you look at the Kobe's Kobe and Allen Iverson are my two favorites, right? You look at their, you look at their desire to be great. Iverson was more about roughly about my size, but I, I love Kobe Bryant's mentality, right? He calls it the Mamba mentality and I phrase it in best kept secrets. I call it the walk on way, right? It's a way of thinking. It's a way of being, it's a way of doing and all of that translates from whatever sport you play, male or female, right, to whatever career you ultimately choose as an adult. That's really true, and I that's to say because I've like, I think it's really important, especially in sports, because when we talk about mentality, I think a lot of people, especially um, in younger ages, that they kind of neglect the mental aspect of it. And yeah, it's, certainly, it's just about like just repetition, repetition, but they're not developing the mental aspect of the game. Which I think when kids deal with, you know, kind of the, you know, the reused word adversity, they don't know how to attack it because they haven't been exposed to it in that sense. I agree. You know, there's oftentimes, you know, your your people will tell you to, you know, adversity breeds character and all that type of stuff. And it's true. But if you haven't dealt with any of that type of stuff, man, the first time some people run into brick walls, it's extremely difficult to figure out how to get past it, right? Because it's so it's so outcome-based, right? Like when I meet people who've won a bunch of awards or have received a doctorate or something like that or, you know, reach some level of accomplishment, I don't necessarily, while I'm impressed by the outcome, I'm more interested in the journey that it took to get there. Because, I mean, you know, even during the introduction, you talk about all of the positive aspects of all of your guests that come on the show it's all of the positive aspects, but very rarely do people lead with the with the failure, right? And failure is a huge component of a person being successful. And I don't really like the word successful because I don't know what it means. Mm-hmm. It's a it's very it's in the mind of the beholder, right? Like if I'm if I walk down my stairs and I don't fall, that means I was successful walking down. Most people look at success being monetary, but sometimes it's not monetary. So I stay away from the term success so to speak, as opposed to, you know, people achieving whatever it is that they set out to achieve. But the failure components when you when you mess up and you learn and you figure out what did I do wrong? How do I get to this part where I don't do the same thing again? It prepares you, it prepares you for for what's to come, right? Because failure is like I've, I said all the time, it is a it's a bruise. It's not a tattoo. Failure is nothing more than an indication that what you're unable to do at a specific moment in time, just like success is nothing more than an indication of what you can do at a specific moment in time. They're both they're both finite. I failed today. I succeeded today. Right. But tomorrow is going to be the same thing over and over again. That journey is the component of who did I become? What did I on my way to climbing said mountain? Right. If I've climbing multiple mountains, what am I learning on the way? Who am I bringing with me? Who am I lifting as I and, and I think that's extremely important. Right. Success and greatness are very different to me. Greatness means you're pulling people with you. You are setting a standard of what it means to be dope and whatever your and whatever your craft is. And you're teaching other people how to do the same thing, if not by your words, most certainly by your act. And I think that's the that's the cool part about the journey I've been on really the last decade of just trying to be that thing where people know that it's an option, right? You, you look at some people in your journey, man, and you kind of always chase them and be like, 
they're setting the standard of what's possible, right? You you have Jay-Z. I mean, he wore a $2.5 million timepiece. The fact that one person does it is cool to me. Like, now would I buy a $2.5 million watch? Probably not. But the fact that someone can is remarkable to me. And you you know, you only need one person to show you that it can be done and it can be very motivational for the next person to go and do something similar. So what do you think is your, de- what's your definition of being great? My definition of being great is is very simple, man. Lifting as you climb, right? If, if you get to the top of your chosen mountain and you, and you get there by yourself, that's not cool to me, right? I think you need to, offer value to to the masses or not even to the masses necessarily but offer value to someone other than yourself on the life journey and that and how does one do that right very practical steps offer your time talents or treasures it's that it's that simple if you dr maya angelo's quoted she says when you learn teach when you get give you know when you when you get to to that point where you can give of your time, give of your talents, give of your treasures when you learn and you can teach those things to other people. So now, you know, I'm a, I have the blessed fortune to be a CEO of a company, you know, in five years, it should be, you know, some people from my current organization who spun off and started their own. You take somebody like Coach K. Think about the number of coaches who are now division one coaches who coach with Coach K, right? That's, that's greatness. The amount of coaches that he's pushed that he's pushed out into that world. I look at the athletic director when I was at Notre Dame. The number of athletic directors who are in under his umbrella at some point that are now also major division 1 athletic directors is remarkable. Right? So when you can create a create an environment where where people are growing growing with you, learning from you, you're learning from them and and they can ultimately get to where they want to go and you don't go back. That's what my definition of greatness is. And, and, you know, trying to have some version of, I think it's harmony because balance isn't the word, right? Like I don't have good life balance, but I think things are in harmony. And I think that's, that's okay, right? Like I don't, I don't do well at all with the whole balance thing. I work like crazy and it's, but it's also as a creative personality, right? There's also an obsession to, to doing what you do. No matter what, no matter what that is, and I think you have to be okay with that, knowing that some relationships will suffer or some some things that you want to do are going to fall by the wayside until you accomplish whatever the initial goal is before you can move on. And that and that's the journey, man. I think people need to be very well aware of that. But but most people think it's a straight. Well, I won't say most people. Some people think it's a straight line, but it's not. There's no such thing. It's going to be it's going to meander. And it's going to be stormy, and you're going to go through a bunch of valleys and climb a bunch of mountains before you get to where you want to go. And as long as people know that going into whatever their chosen task is you all right and sports prepares you for that it's an emotional journey every single practice every single game is ups and downs ups and downs you don't know how the game is going to turn out so you have to just carry on until the until the buzzer sounds and that's the way life is right you need to carry on until the buzzer sounds buzzer sounds being you no longer are breathing right and that's how i think the game should be played and that's how i play it and what would i and this is kind of off the off the topic um, yeah. What is your what was your most memorable experience in all of sports that growing up in up until now? Oh wow, that's, a, that's an interesting question, Jimmy. My my most memorable experience. I don't know. I didn't I didn't do this, but I think my most memorable experience <laughs> is when Iverson stepped over Teron Lue in that in the championship in the when they were playing the Lakers. Like I don't know if you remember that game oh, where he I, hit yeah. the jump shot in the corner. Yep. Yeah, I mean it's not. 
I mean, if you're talking about just experiences in general, that's one I thought that was it was a it was remarkable to me because he was by far, you know, like my favorite. Well, him and Kobe were very close equals at the at the time. So that's one. But at, at a personal level, my most memorable moment on a personal level, it is it's very easy to. To identify that one is is the day I walked on when I, my parents drove me back to campus during winter break my freshman year after coach Taylor called me and told me I made the team when I walked into the gym the lights were on my teammates were standing in the middle of the court and you know cheering for me that is by far the most memorable moment I had because I wasn't even be there man I wasn't even six feet tall at the time I, and I weighed probably 135 100, 145 pounds so you're talking at the time I'm five nine 140 pounds by the time I graduated college, I was six feet and a half, 170 when I left. And like I said, I'm 200 now. There is, I wasn't supposed to be there, man. But that, that at the personal level, that is, that is by far unequivocally the most memorable moment of my entire sports career. And when you say you're not supposed to be there, is that more based on your physical attributes? Because at, I mean, you're, I mean, how you've been talking, you know, you had that mental you had the mentality that you're not going to be stopped. So don't you think that at the end of the day, you were supposed to be there? Nah, I mean, divine intervention says I was supposed to be there. But like I said, man, I was smaller than everyone. They were stronger than me. They, I was probably faster than people, but that's also because I was just smaller and scrawnier and all of that type of stuff. But there, again, like I said, man, external to, my heart and just pure will to be there just like it is now like i still i still laugh and wonder like i know what they told me but i'm like that's crazy that i was that much smaller than everyone else but like i said god made this story just because that's how he wanted it to be but yeah i mean i'm grateful for the opportunity so now i can look back retrospectively you know and say yeah i was supposed to be there but in reality man it's it was thousands of people that were bigger than me, stronger than me, better than me, that could have had that same opportunity, but for whatever reason, it was bestowed upon me. So that's the part for, for me, there's the the grateful and thankful components that I'll say, that's why I'll say like, I wasn't even supposed to be there because it, it wasn't even on the radar till the summer before my senior year, wasn't even on the radar. I, like I said, I thought Notre Dame was in California. That's how little I knew of that school. I, like I said, I'm from Flint, Michigan. And we only knew the schools that we could see, Michigan, Michigan State, Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan, Western Michigan, right? That's it. Maybe Ohio State, but that's it because that was a huge name school. But you don't hear about, you don't hear about Notre Dame and Stanford and Berkeley and Brown and all those type of schools. Like, why would you? Right? There is the, so that's when I say I wasn't supposed to be there is because I didn't even know it was an option. But once I learned it was an option, that's why I put in all my energy and effort to get there. Definitely. And now I want to talk about you becoming an author because you have written four books and you're even an Amazon bestseller. So talk about your journey in becoming an author and what your books are about. Yeah, so I've written four. The, you know, the first one is, was a, a memoir of the life journeys and a lot of demons, you know, going through telling the story of what it was like to, to go to Notre Dame and the challenges I faced and the challenges of, of growing up. Right. What what was that like? You know, being in a being in a house where it was you never know what the what was going to happen as it relates to the conversations or 
like the negative environment, br- brilliant upbringing, but tough times. That was Scars, Exile, and Vindication. The next one was Breakthrough. Breakthrough was a, a capturing the collective wisdom of humanity, right? I interviewed folks and I wanted to tell the story, tell these stories because so many people, I, I think, feel like they're they're alone. When the fact is, it's not true. Many of us are going through the same exact stuff. We're fighting the same battles, but we're not comfortable enough to talk to people about those battles. So we feel like we're out there by ourselves. So that book was called Breakthrough Stories of Resilience, Tragedy, and Triumph. The third book is called Leading Through Difficulty, The Darker Side of Workplace Behavior. It talks about the challenges of leading in tough work environments from psychological contract breaks to trust breaks to how social bonds and social identity impact an individual in the workplace, the challenges associated with abusive supervision. That book is, you know, was adopted from my dissertation. And then the fourth book, which is the one that's been an Amazon number one bestseller and number one new release and all that. It's called Best Kept Seek from Invisible Walk-Ons to Life Champions. And that that book talks about the, the walk-on journey, what it is like to climb that mountain and why it's important for us to be good at what we do so that our teammates can be good at what they do. It talks about the challenges one that one faces due to depression, anxiety, fear, right? The fear of failure, the fear of success, and how... All of the the ingredients that one has inside of them to walk on to a, to a program translates magnificently well into the life journey. So while it into the into life. So while that that book specifically focuses on sports, it resonates with a broader audience in the sense of these are true life principles that if employed, you will be okay, right? Focus, pay attention, listen, put in those type of things. If you follow these cardinal rules of life, life really isn't that difficult when it all comes down to it. We make stuff way harder than it is because we are we take ourselves too seriously. We're all in our head. We think we're better than what we are, right? We're one of seven billion. It's not any of us that are the best at anything. We think Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant is the best basketball player. It's some dude in the hood right now that scored 87 points against Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. We just don't know that they exist, Right. So I think there's the that story, the stories within. And I had some people who walked on as well to a portion of their story within the book and, and their experience. So while it's tailored to the walk-on tribe, my walk-on brothers and sisters, it is, I think it's a, it's a manifesto for life, right? If you want to climb your chosen mountain, here are some tactical ways in order to do that. And here's the mindset that you need to have in order to deal with the most certainly the storms that will come and impact your life journey. You you have to be ready for that type of stuff. Once once adversity hits, you have to know how to deal with it. And then once once you get out of that, you have to know that another storm is coming. So you prepare yourself for that. And an uplifting book, you know, it's a easy read, quick that that offers value, I think, you know, into into the mind and heart of somebody who who walks on somewhere and then how that translates into their life post sports. All right. So this is going to be my last question. What do you think is the most important attribute or factor someone has to have to succeed in life? Uh, I only get one. Uh, How about Hmm. how many you want? (laughs) I'll give you how many you ever want. You can can go down the list, man. Yeah, man. I think it's, I think in, in order to be your version of successful, right? There are, there are components of faith, desire, resilience, and patience. If I had to boil it down, five, and I'll add another one, courage, right? Faith, desire, resilience, patience, courage. If you have those five things, faith to get you through 
through the tough times when you don't know what's going on you you believe that the architect of the universe is going to carry you through right desire you have to have the the heart to go after those things that you want is going to be challenging but if you can if you can get to if you can keep pushing keep going keep grinding you'll ultimately get there as long as you don't quit right and when you have that desire it becomes easier to overcome obstacles right so faith desire resilience you're going to get knocked down it's going to be a bunch of storms it's going to be a bunch of negativity that hits you there are going to be some some things that will make you bend but resilience tells you that you can bounce back like the you know get knocked down seven stand up eight Samuel Beckett says, try again, fail again, fail better. That's all resilience. The more you can bounce back, the more you can carry on. And if you have that desire, it's even easier to have the resilience. And if you have that resilience, it's easier to maintain the desire, faith, desire, resilience, patience. It's going to take a while, right? There's no such thing as an overnight success. When people say that someone's an overnight success, I'm like, you're a lunatic. All of these people, even some of these YouTube stars that seemingly are pop up overnight, they've still been practicing the ones that stick around for any amount of time. Right. The the amount of patience that one has to have in order to reach the pinnacle of their version of success is going to take some time. You have to read. You have to study. You have to learn about everything that's important to you to become masterful at your chosen craft. Number five, courage. Once you have the the courage all of those other things are easier. When you have courage, you can be patient. When you have courage, you can be resilient. When you, when you have courage, you can have significant desire to get things done. When you have courage, you have you can have faith. So courage to me is fundamental and foundational for for everything because if oftentimes when you get into when you're trying to get something done, you may have to stand alone. Right? You may have to go against the grain. Everybody's walking left. You have to be like, nope. You have to believe that you believe and stand on your own two feet. So I think those would be the in order for someone to achieve their version of success, Jimmy, I think it would it would be those five components, faith, desire, resilience, patience, courage. Charles or Dr. Charles Thomas, I want to say thank you again for joining the show. I greatly appreciate you taking the time and talk about your story because like you said, not many people think and not a lot not a lot of people see how success is actually formed. They think it's like that overnight success when in reality it does take time. So like I said, I right. greatly appreciate you telling your story and giving people a dose of the reality of that nothing good comes easy. Right. True story. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I definitely appreciate you having me on the Sports Avenue podcast, man. I know you had a bunch of options, so I appreciate you, your willingness to have me on your show for a little bit to, to chop it up with you. Oh, yeah, not a problem. And you're more than welcome to come back at any time in the future. And also, yeah, you can it. plug in any information that – people want to reach you at as well yeah if you if anybody wants to to find me for any talks or panel discussions or anything like that they can go to my website which is charles thomas jr.com i'm really only active on instagram c thomas underscore junior and i'm and i'm a rookie at that too i'm not really good at social media but yeah instagram is c thomas underscore junior and my website is Charles Thomas Jr.com and then you can find me there pretty easily. Anybody is interested in having more conversations about sports, about entrepreneurship, about authorship, that type of stuff, or, you know, personal development in general, how to do what they want to do. Cause I think I do have some practical insight onto, into how to make that happen. Most definitely. I, like I said, I think for people to go to you, I think it'd be a smart idea. Cause you've been, you've been through the, the jungle a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Most certainly, man. It's, but it's been a it's been a fun journey, man, and I wouldn't stop it, change it for the world, and I hope to 
carry on fighting for for many more years to come. Most definitely. So everyone, I would like to say thank you for tuning into the 44th episode of the Sports Avenue Podcast. Um, again, share it with people you know. But you know, again, let's give these people a chance to express their story and let them have their story heard. Thank you everyone for listening. Have a great week. Have a great day. Have a great rest of your week. And thank you for tuning into the Sports Avenue Podcast. Don't forget the Road for Sports starts here on Sports Avenue and see you soon.